Hello, I'm Shark Child, and this is The Dark Verse. A collection of my strange works with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. Happy Holidays. I hope you're all finding some cheer, or at least something warm, to snuggle up against. However... The best thing you can do right now is face your demons and buy my book from the Passages of Revenants, The Dark Verse, Volume 1 at sharkchildsremains.com. The book is imitation leather with foil stamping, it has black dusting on its pages, and it contains the artwork of John F. Stifter. All copies are signed and shipped free. The story I have to share with you in this episode is one of worldliness and the ongoing pursuit of betterment. Being smarter, being stronger, being faster. You must think carefully to understand the ways of this story, so listen cautiously. More fantastical than horrific, this is episode 58 of The Dark Verse, and it is entitled The Long Travel. There is a hidden labyrinth of pathways linking the worlds of things that can be seen. It can be found with the use of elementary magic. A rune, spoken as a beseecher to the fabric of life, is all it takes to beckon forth the portal and gateway to this land of overwhelming connectivity. The pathways are the veins of existence. They connect all folds of life together, from places separated by distances ranging in the unfathomable, to doorways between universes. This conglomeration of veins is the chauffeur to all possible knowledge and experience. I was part of a brotherhood of sorcerers who centuries before me had by luck stumbled upon the rune that led to the veins of existence. At that time, the brotherhood was only a congregation of petty common folk. But over those same centuries preceding my upbringing, the discoverers traveled the pathways of the veins and accumulated the knowledge of bizarre places, sciences, and magics, recording them as a history of all things and using them to tap into near-unlimited energy. Upon my arrival into life, this same brotherhood of sorcerers had become practitioners of godliness not in the ways of holiness or righteousness, but in incomparable awesome power and ability. By my time, the veins had been explored in their entirety and mapped out in a colossal 1,000-volume collection. It was only by magic that this information could be given to an individual's memory and thought in a timely manner. Even with all of the maps of the veins and the many years studying their locations, there still remained one mystery. The way that leads on and on. The end of the vein by this name had never been found, and the world upon that end 
never explored. While the other veins found their worlds here and there amidst the clandestine network, this vein continued onward, unforgiving to travel and speculation. Sorcerers had trekked its path with the most ferocious of transportation methods for decades at a time, finding naught but pain and the lack of any discovery. These voyages led to nothing but the decision to turn around and avoid completely wasted lives. I took on the hundred and seventh quest to seek out the destination of the way that leads on and on. And I, in my own right, and in the knowledge of the worlds, was a master of speed, thus being the appropriate and most qualified candidate ever named for the quest. To be successful, I had to understand the literal and unavoidable magnitude of the task before me. To be successful, I could not dwell on the feeble ideals of those that came before me. I needed to overcompensate to fulfill the journey. In my workshop, on the sturdy wood of my chair, I slaved over the solution. Some days I would sketch, some days I would calculate, some days I would dream. And it was finally, in dream, that I came to the radical and chimerical answer to the riddle. I needed force, unbelievable force. To attain such force I needed size, unmatched size. And so... During a month of rigorous research, tested ingenuity, and abstract spells, I constructed a blueprint for a beast the size of a star, and with the assistance of a legion of sorcerers, at the entrance to the way that leads on and on, I summoned into existence a beast the size of a star. Its shape was of a diving bird covered in the flesh of a billion fish-like tails, each holding the strength of a planet's inertia. For its face, a sensory arrangement of tremendous projectors was placed, allowing it to detect its surroundings by the distance of light. The mouth of this creature was a magnificent funnel, allowing it to consume the smallest pieces of matter and use them for replenishment. This beast could have destroyed worlds if it had chosen so. It could have destroyed anything. As soon as the beast was created, the journey to the end of the way that leads on and on began. The beast the size of a star was not tame, but I made it obey me. With reins the length of a solar system, I communicated with it, sending it direction or punishment at one thousand times the speed of light by intense magic bursts. On my end, the reins connected to a small ship, which acted as my helm and living quarters. For twelve years we traveled at speeds unknown to any particle or piece of creation, and for twelve years I dreaded to find what I sought. In the thirteenth year, I found what lay at the end of the way that leads on and on. At the end of the way was a world vaster than the known capacity of existence. It was a world that dwarfed possibility conceived by theory. A monster of life, a visual suicide, a death-undoing marvel. Not the science or randomness of all universes could feasibly bear such a gargantuan, mutant child, yet it loomed. 
both as the outcast and king of all things in the physical realm, I had the privilege of calling this world the Pariah Almighty, for it was my discovery an incongruous burden. Within the Pariah's hold was an infinity of the unexplored. Even with my heightened knowledge and ability of magic, I was unable to look upon the world with understanding eyes. Beyond my insignificance, the beast as well was but a boulder against the scope of this horrific place. Once inside the world, the beast upon my reins collapsed. The environment did not accommodate its design, and not only for mobility, but also life. It moaned and screamed through orifices incapable of sound before perishing upon the foreign ground of the abominable realm. I could do nothing for it, but shed two brief tears as it writhed painfully and hopelessly before its death. With the beast's fall, my ship was sent with incredible speed deeper into the Pariah Almighty. After dispatching the range from my craft, it took a week alone for my speed to reach a level that could be manipulated by magic. And when I did stop, my mind rejected reality. The speed at which I had been traveling had manipulated the equilibrium of my body. With that speed halted, my mind took me to a horrible place of agony and illusion in the battle to reclaim control. All in all, the use of magic was imperative in my survival. I encased myself within an orb of protection and forced myself into a prolonged coma only to be abated by the healthy vital signs of my recovery. I awoke on the Pariah Almighty with a different sense of sight. My mind, perhaps scarred by the journey, worked in a way foreign to my command. As a child first learns how to exercise its limbs and muscles, so I had to relearn the ways of myself, not only in motor skills, but in thought and memory. My ways of magic were almost completely lost. But, more tragically, I was lost within the most menacing of worlds as a dispensable germ. I could not comprehend my surroundings, and so I could not observe or learn anything about them. Because I could not learn, I could not use any of the resources within the world as tools. For several months, I continued to live on my ship, which without its food supply, I would have died. I was a confused entity, knowing only about things such as hunger and discomfort. I knew something was missing from me, but because it was missing, I did not know what it was. Eventually, as meaningless, unfamiliar time whittled away at me and the fight over my body, I regained a certain capacity for intelligence. With this rebirth, a different aura formed about me. I began to see the world around me. It was not an indiscernible blossom of chaos any longer. It was a magnificent arena of life and explosive grandeur. The creatures of this place were beyond anything recognizable, but the magic I did preserve allowed me to soar high above them and see them in their completeness. They were unbelievable things, they were gentle with their surroundings, and lived in effortless harmony. 
there were long, graceful creatures that lent their movements to the rhythm of the land. There were stocky, brisk creatures that moved about in ways that transcended time and space. And there were flowing creatures that hovered and shimmered out and in by pulses of innocent promiscuity. To add to their piety, it cannot be forgotten that each of these creatures were larger than entire clusters of stars. To me, they were each individual universes communing together in a world that harbored entire universes. When I had regained enough of myself, I decided to try communicating with the different beings. To do so, I erupted colored fireworks before them, colors that in sequence created a simple language, which in repetition could be deciphered by any entity of minimal intellect. If they looked up to me, flying in the sky, then I would know that they understood my message. Many of the beings did not look up to me, but many did, and when they looked at me, although they did not see me, I felt fragile and insignificant, as if my gesture of contact was a waste of their logical strengths. After my display, they quickly knew the ways of my communication, and spoke back to me in thoughts with a language I would understand. All that acknowledged me told me different things, but overall they told me that I had no place in their world, and that my kind only deserved the land of damnation that I had come from. Land of damnation, I questioned them in thought. Yes, they told me. Your domain is nothing but a deceiving tangle, leading you in a circle of pain. Do you not lust for power and strength, so that you can outlast fear? But our ways of power came by chance, I interrupted. Your ways found you, they replied. Have you not come here for that same greed of supremacy, to find and assimilate those things that would further your consequence? You are not welcome here. We will send you home. I am not ready to leave yet. You are ready. Before I could blink, I was back at the entrance of the way that leads on and on. The Brotherhood of Sorcerers found me there sleeping soundly in space and brought me back home. They tried to find out where I had been and what I had seen, but I could not communicate with them. I could not understand their ways, and they could not understand mine. The years I had been on the Pariah Almighty must have been many, although the time felt short, or perhaps my travel back through the way that leads on and on was made in sleep and at a lesser pace. No matter which was the case, I had become an outcast. I had brought the strange world back with me, but without its reference, I could not be. I could not function. The confusion turned into sadness, and then the sadness turned to madness, and then the madness turned to agony. And then I understood the curse of the veins of existence and its connecting worlds. Then I understood my curse. If I had only kept quiet on the Pariah Almighty, I would never have been noticed. I could have endlessly danced amongst gods in their glorious ways, but I spoke out. I drew attention to myself. That was my curse. That is the curse of the veins of existence and its connecting worlds.
That concludes episode 58 of The Dark Verse. Go to thedarkverse.com to download all of the past episodes. You can also find them on iTunes. Become my fan at facebook.com slash sharkchild. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can do so with my email address, which is m at sharkchild.com. All right, friends, leave a nice skinless piece of your neighbor with some milk by the fireplace, and you'll have a very jolly Santa. All stories on the dark verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love.